Hello and welcome to another episode of the BayCare Clinic Podcast. My name is Alicia Schertz and I'll be your host for this episode. Joining me today is Kelly Fredrickson, a certified nurse practitioner with Aurora BayCare Cardiology. She's here today to discuss congestive heart failure, a serious but common condition where a person's heart doesn't pump blood as efficiently as it should. Kelly is here to talk about common symptoms of congestive heart failure and ways people can live with this condition. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So I want to start this conversation sort of just by defining, for those who don't know, what congestive heart failure is. Can you describe sort of what's happening if someone has congestive heart failure? Heart failure is where the heart, which is a muscle, cannot pump or relax appropriately. So there's a lapse in blood flow and oxygen that support the other organs of your body. So it just means that the heart isn't strong enough um, or it's too stiff that it's not working properly. Yeah, so so not exactly a complete failure, maybe as the name would suggest, but what does congestive heart failure look like in people with the condition? So talk about some of those symptoms or, or things that people might be experiencing if they're suffering from this. So symptoms of heart failure range uh, from shortness of breath with activity or when you lay down, there's significant fatigue or weakness. You can have swelling in your legs and bloating in your belly. Um, there can be palpitations in your chest, either irregular or fast. The inability to exercise. Um, there's a lot of cough and wheezing. And just sometimes even just a lack of appetite, decreased um, ability to eat food because of bloating in the belly, and increase in weight. Wow, that seems like a like a vast array of symptoms. And, and are there different types of heart failure that we should be aware of? Or how do these present themselves in, in the people who have them? There are several different types of heart failure. It relies on the, the either the left side of the heart or the right side of the heart. And that's kind of up to us to decide, you know, based on your symptoms, what those heart failure symptoms are related to. Um, The left side of the heart, a lot of it is usually related to blood flow limitations to the heart muscle itself. And the right side of the heart has a lot to do with more of the lungs type of issue. And the symptoms are different for each as well. Wow. How, for... For those of I mean, this sounds pretty serious in in my mind, just as a listening stand, from a listening standpoint. But how common is this condition? Is this is this fairly common in people, or how often do you see this? Um, it's very common. Uh, the CDC notes that there's about 6.2 million adults in the United States that have heart failure, and the cost of it to our healthcare system is pretty significant. Wow, that's incredible. And are there people that it affects more frequently than others? Does this affect men, women? Does it vary by age, or how does that work as far as the patients you're seeing? Um, most of it, most of the heart failure diagnoses are for people over the age of 65, but it can happen at any age. Mm-hmm. And men versus women, or anything specifically related to demographics, or anything like that? Nope, nope. It just a lot of it depends on your lifestyle choices leading up to that point. So um, the the smoking, the unhealthy diet, the lack of exercise, all of that over a lifetime leads up to the heart failure diagnosis. And that can be in men or women. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, that was a perfect segue because that was my next question. So are there things that um, we can do personally to sort of limit our risk of developing congestive heart failure? Or what kind of, as you mentioned, some of those risk factors are there in in developing that? Mm -hmm. So the things that you can prevent from heart failure developing is not smoking, um, maintaining good blood pressures, controlling your diabetes, staying active, eating healthy, uh, maintaining a good weight and managing your stress. That's basically a lot of it. Uh, we can't help genetics, but there's ways that we go ahead and diagnose and treat that. But from a prevention standpoint, those are the things that you can do to help yourself reduce your risk of getting heart failure as you age. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the things that, that sort of are on our to-do list all the time, aren't they? Um, Correct. Yep. Is this sort of a condition that that can, can that can worsen over time, or or can people live with this condition long term, or what what are you seeing there? Uh, the purpose of the Heart Failure Clinic basically is to provide all of the tools needed, the education and the counseling and the support for these people to have a better quality of life and live longer. So we're doing the best that we can about educating the patients with heart failure to reduce the sodium in their diet, reduce the amount of fluid they're drinking, exercise more, just taking better care of their bodies. So we do we do um, develop a rapport with our patients. We follow them pretty closely so that we can get them the healthiest they can so they can live longer and happier. And so this is kind of just backing up a little bit, this is a condition that people can live with, with, with yes. lifestyle changes, et cetera. So talk a little bit about that again. What are you seeing in your patients that are, that are part of the, the heart failure clinic? Talk about maybe some of the turnarounds that you've seen after they start making some of those lifestyle changes. They just have a better quality of life. They feel better. They have more energy. They're able to go out and play with their grandchildren where they couldn't before. They have been traveling where they had been stuck at home because they couldn't walk um, when they were traveling with family members. So it's basically opened up their life to let them live a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I want to I want to go back to and talk a little bit more about some of those symptoms that people might be seeing because they are pretty common with a variety of different conditions. When is it time for someone to see a doctor or are there potential consequences in not seeking treatment if they are having those symptoms? What do you recommend in that regard? Anytime you have any of those symptoms we talked about that are new or worsening, any ones that pop up, if your weight is going up and you have those symptoms, definitely any sort of significant acute shortness of breath or chest pain, you definitely need to get to the um, emergency room or call your physician. Um, those are the most serious times to call, but at any point in time, you have any of those symptoms at all when they weren't there before, you really need to get checked out because the sooner we're able to treat and reverse or or look back at what's causing this to happen and treat that, the longer you're going to live and the happier you're going to be. Excellent. And you had mentioned the emergency room, which obviously we would recommend if you are having any sort of chest pains or anything like that. But is this something that that a primary care doctor or where do they go first if, if these are maybe if they're maybe just worried about these symptoms? 
Um, the people who have heart disease already can certainly call their cardiologist, but mm-hmm. most people you can just call your primary care provider, get in, talk about the symptoms, and then they can refer to uh, cardiology, and we will get them in and start evaluating them with testing and get them on medication. Yeah, absolutely. And another perfect segue there, because I do want to talk about what that looks like when they do finally come to you and your colleagues. What is it that you're you're helping these patients with, or what does it look like first for those people? First off is testing. We get um, an echocardiogram, and then we okay. evaluate whether there are any blockages in their heart arteries that are causing this to happen. Um, if they have blockages, we do heart casts and do what we can to reduce those blockages. If there are no blockages, then we use medication and lifestyle changes to help manage those symptoms. Mm-hmm. And is this an ongoing process for, for most people in, in that you can tell us about? Is this something that they would come back and see you guys and, and kind of monitor that over time? Or what does that look like from a patient standpoint? From a heart failure standpoint, we monitor our patients very closely and pretty frequently. I see patients every week to every three to six months. It just depends on how well you're doing. I do have patients who I will follow up every two weeks with them until they're more stable and comfortable with managing their heart failure at home. Perfect. So it varies. It varies per patient. Excellent. So uh, I do want to talk about surgery because you had mentioned sort of the heart catheter, if there are blockages, those kinds of things. I think people automatically assume if they're experiencing symptoms like these that surgery is always necessary. Can you talk about in the cases where, where surgery would be necessary or, and maybe just talk some patients through that as far as what they can expect? Um, so like I said, you know, initially the coronary angiogram, the heart catheterization, we're looking for blockages and we try and reduce those. Um, There are other tests and surgeries that we can do. Um, We look at the valves. Do they need a valve replacement? Are the non-functioning valves causing their heart failure symptoms? And then we would prefer to have their valves looked at and surgically taken care of. Um, Heart rhythm problems and low heart functions. Do they need a device, a pacemaker or defibrillator that needs to be implanted? So, those are the main um, procedures that we would look at to help control the heart failure symptoms. And how common is surgery as far as the number of patients that you see? I mean, do you see the majority of people needing surgery or can the majority of them be managed sort of by those lifestyle changes that you mentioned? A majority of them can be managed by lifestyle changes. We try that as much as possible, but when it comes to a point where that can't be done, then they are definitely referred to get their surgery done. Absolutely. You talked about it a little too, but I do want to talk about whether or not congestive heart failure isn't necessarily curable, correct? But are there portions of this condition that can be reversed if if they've already been diagnosed with that? You're correct. Heart failure is not curable. You'll always have it, but it's either compensated or not compensated. So compensated means that you're doing really well, you're taking your meds, you're made your lifestyle changes, and you're living a good quality of life, and you're stable. Um, Heart failure that's not compensated are those people who continue to gain weight and have symptoms of swelling and shortness of breath, regardless of medications and treatments that we're doing. 
So again, it varies really on the patient and how much they want to change and, and you know, feel better. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit again about some of those symptoms that people may be experiencing. If they are experiencing these symptoms, can you go over that list again? Just some of the things that may be presenting themselves as congestive heart failure? Oh, sure. So any sort of worsening, shortness of breath, anything from rapid weight gain, fatigue, weakness, swelling in the legs, um, irregular heart rates, palpitations, um, say you normally can walk one mile and then all of a sudden you find yourself, you can't walk a mile anymore without shortness of breath. That's a significant change in your lifestyle. Um, Cough, wheezing, uh, like I said, swelling in the belly and decreased appetite and obviously any sort of chest discomfort. Excellent. Yeah. And I want to talk again about your team at the Heart Failure Clinic. Talk a little bit about what that program means and sort of what that collaboration means for patients in this community as far as what services they're able to get. So our Heart Failure Clinic is myself as the main provider, and it's overseen by all of our cardiologists. So each patient that I see has one of our Baker cardiologists. And then we have two registered nurses who monitor our patients on a scheduled basis, as well as we have a social worker, and we've also teamed up with pharmacy. So we have a good group of people that work together to make sure that they're um, covered socially, financially. Um, We do a lot of indigent programs for medications because there's a lot of new heart failure medications out there that are just very expensive. So our social worker does help us get coverage for some of those medications. Um, And then our nurses do manage um, our CardioMEMS program as well. And that's another tool that we use to manage our heart failure patients. And what benefit do you see for patients in, in that all of that assistance is in one spot for them? The patients absolutely love it. They tend to take ownership. They expect the phone calls. They have the information ready. They do what we instruct them or counsel them to do to make their lives better. And you can just tell that they just become more independent and taking that ownership of their life. They're just so proud of themselves and they do so well. They really look forward to those nurse phone calls. Um, it's just nice to see that they eventually, over time, just get their quality of life back. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate again sort of what that success rate has been for patients as far as what you've seen, maybe anecdotally, just the the outcomes that you've seen from your patients at the heart failure clinic. What is that like? Love it. Yeah, they're great. They just, they're always so appreciative. They always comment and let us know how much they really really feel like we care about them. And I, that's one of the biggest things for them is that we show that they care, we care for them. So they want to give us the information so that we continue to do that. And it's really great to see the independence that they get as they, you know, as we age, we lose independence. And if we can give that back to them, even just a little bit, you can just see them blossom. And it's really great to see. It's incredible. Kelly, thank you so much for that information. Are there one or two important takeaways from our conversation today that you want to leave with our listeners? Or or how can somebody who maybe has congestive heart failure but isn't part of this program get involved? Or how can they come to you guys? 
just reach out to us. If you have questions or concerns, get in with one of our cardiologists and you will be then um, implemented into our heart failure clinic. And then we will start the process of our counseling or education and getting you set up with as much information as possible. Um, start following you, start talking to you at home, seeing how we can get you know information to you to make the changes that you need to have a better quality of life. Kelly, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. Again, Kelly Fredrickson is a certified nurse practitioner with Aurora Baycare Cardiology. For more information about Baycare Clinic or to request an appointment, visit baycare.net. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.